0: stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and it is going to be a big week over here at Very Amusing HQ. But before we get into that, I just want to give a little tip of the cap to Halloween time. Halloween has officially arrived at Universal Orlando, where they kicked off Halloween Horror Nights this past week, and also at Disneyland Resort, where we got to see some unbelievable costumes for the Fab Five. I I mean, Mickey Mouse and his little pumpkin, Goofy in his new outfit as a tree, oh my goodness. They're adorable and I cannot get enough of it. I do need to make a public acknowledgement up top though that I am not at either resort and I'm not in Orlando or at Disneyland because I am currently on family vacation. Um, on Labor Day weekend, we always try to all get together. And I still have this like sneaking suspicion, like, oh man, I should have been there. I should have like if I if I was able to, I would have. But then again, I just keep telling myself that it's literally still our summer vacation. <laughs> Like, it's not, it's weird, it's a weird thing in theme park dumb that you cannot go cover Halloween because it is summer vacation. I mean, the reason we, my family's all together is because the kids are not even yet back in school. So I guess I can't feel that bad that i'm not celebrating a holiday that falls on the very last day of october when i'm currently still cramming in all the summertime activities i have not yet done because august literally ended a few days ago again i'm not here to rag on anyone's fun i just wanted to let you know the reason we don't have a standalone episode dedicated to either is because it's it's summertime in my brain summertime in my body and we have not gotten there yet, Uh, and that applies to those resorts, but of course Walt Disney World has been celebrating Halloween for the past 14 weeks, (laughs) so (laughs) I guess we're just slightly bypassing it this year because we have bigger things to talk about, especially with what is going down this weekend. I will be attending I I don't know, a little-known thing called D23 Expo in Anaheim, California. And for anyone who is unfamiliar or has just heard the term but doesn't really know what's going on, D23 Expo is basically Disney's own standalone version of Comic-Con. They're honoring every facet of the company at this with fan-focused activations and pavilions and activities and zillions of announcements. Truly, you're going to be bombarded with news in the next few days. There's going to be celebrity appearances is there, there are costume contests, there is so much happening, and it is all powered by Disney's official fan club, D23. Now the reason I'm giving you this whole breakdown is because I will be on the ground for all of it. But even better, I'm taking you along with me. Yes, we are doing a full week of very amusing podcast coverage from D23 Expo 2022, complete with daily episodes. Daily, daily podcast episodes. So, whether you are watching the live streams from afar, of which there are plenty, check out the full schedule on d23.com, or attending yourself, our daily drops will fill you in on everything you may have missed from new announcements coming out of Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm to breaking down and analyzing major Disney Parks news to even the very, very special Archives exhibits, which we are previewing here today on this episode. You've probably seen the D23 Expo schedule, but this is what you can look forward to here on Very Amusing Going Forward. We have today, Wednesday's episode, giving you a sneak peek rundown of the very exciting Walt Disney Archives exhibits that will be featured at D23 Expo before anyone even gets to lay their eyes on them, before I've even been able to see them. We're all going to hear, about it, which is very exciting. And then starting Friday morning, we will have a recap of the D23 Expo Media Preview event from the night prior. I'm going to give you the lay of the land, what actually happens inside Anaheim Convention Center, and what I am personally most excited about after my first glimpse inside those walls. Saturday morning, we'll have a day one recap. Sunday morning, we'll have a day two recap, and Monday morning, I'm bringing you a day three recap of my absolutely bonkers final day of D23 Expo, which starts with a very special panel about everything new coming to Disney's theme parks worldwide, and ends with my very own self-hosted Duffy and Friends panel, aka the highlight of my life. It does not get better than that. I cannot wait, and I cannot wait to tell you all about it. Now, I will be attending oodles of panels on everything from a 30-year celebration of Muppet's Christmas Carol. I'm going to see Disney legends crowned in real life and I'm going to get a full rundown of every announcement from the super secret Marvel, Star Wars and 20th Century Fox panel. And then next week on Wednesday we will be recapping the major news, diving deeper into analyzing those theme park announcements and maybe, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you might be getting a major dose of Duffy and Friends directly to your ears. It's going to be a huge week, as you can tell from this intro to this podcast. This is just me outlining our schedule. And I encourage all of you to follow along on social media. As you know, I am at Carly Wisell on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And I will be churning out updates non-stop which is especially noteworthy for those major studio panels Lucasfilm, Disney, Pixar 20th Century Fox, Marvel and Disney Animation will be releasing loads of news and I will be allowed to post about them in real time as a member of the media so please 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 follow me there to keep up with up to the minute updates check back here each and every day to the feed so you can hear what was going on and I just cannot wait to bring you so much news and so many Things I have never been to D23 Expo while I had a podcast. I've been to D23 Expo many times, but I have not been while this podcast has existed. So usually I was there for other magazines, other websites, or even tweeting on behalf of other companies, posting on Instagram on behalf of different magazines. And now I'm here in the very amusing bubble with all of you in this little community, and I cannot wait to bring you everything. And I shouldn't call it a little community; we're a big community, but it feels little because because we all get along. Okay, I, I won't get too too folksy about it. So with that, let's get into our D23 Expo podcast, Bonanza. Stick with me now, today, and all of next week. And I promise you're going to have the time of your Disney love in life. Stick around. It's going to be good. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince. But no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses. And the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym it kinda gotta look cute. So I ordered a pair of their Ultraform bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings, and when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for. Which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only gonna buy them again, but Actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey And here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing.
1: Our family has grown.
0: Welcome back. This week for our kickoff D23 Expo episode, we have the one and only Becky Klein, the director of the Walt Disney Archives. If you're a theme park fan, you're likely already familiar with Becky and her and her team's incredible work. And she is here to discuss Not only the incredible displays, exhibits, and panels the Walt Disney Archives have lined up for D23 Expo this year, but also what's next when the archives come to you as part of an exhibit touring nationwide in honor of the Walt Disney Company's 100th anniversary. We will get into Disney 100, the exhibition, and so much more within this episode. Becky is also sharing details about Walt's plane, which spent 23 years on display at Disney Hollywood Studios' backlots and will reappear at D23 Expo with a fully restored exterior and an exhibit of its own. But we're also going to talk about this year's main exhibit. Walt Disney Archives presents Step in Time and how it came together, as well as the very special reason it can't be missed. There is a real nugget of a story in this episode, and you gotta listen for it, because it will blow your mind the way it blew mine. (laughs) Anyway, In this exhibit, Walt Disney Archives presents Step in Time at D23 Expo 2022. Guests will be able to step into scenes from different decades throughout the history of the Walt Disney Company, but also do so while seeing archival items. It's going to be very special. I personally cannot wait to see it very, very soon. And I'm just going to turn it over to Becky, who has so much more to say. Hope you enjoy! (laughs) Becky Klein, welcome to Very Amusing. Hi, thanks for having me here. I am so excited to talk to you. We are going to get into all of it Walt's Plane Disney 100 the exhibition but I would love to start by discussing the Walt Disney Archives presents Step in Time which people are going to be able to see starting Friday at D23 Expo.
2: Well this is a very special um year for us next year of course is our uh, 100th anniversary. So we're theming a lot of things. This is kind of the kickoff for the whole celebration that the D23 Expo. So this particular exhibition has been created by the Walt Disney Archives to celebrate a look back And um, so we decided to do a step in time. So what it is, is we have our 12,000 square foot exhibit that we do on the show floor regularly. We usually have an exhibit that's our kind of pavilion as it were but it's a it's a large exhibition and um for just three days it's it's kind of mind-boggling that we do this big an exhibit but it is uh, really fun and it'll be themed around the, the 100th anniversary of the company and taking a step through a, a kind of a timeline that you can walk through in person so it'll be um really fun we, we've we've uh, focused on vignettes in this one so there's a vignette that's dedicated to each relative decade Throughout the company's history and there'll be assets and photo opportunities and, and it'll be really fun. And so it's kind of a. Kind of a hybrid of a traditional exhibit with actual artifacts from our collection, but it'll also be very engaging and open for for people to take photos and and enjoy themselves. A little bit interactive in some places too, so it's going to be really fun.
0: Since so many of our listeners are Disney Parks fans, and I know that in the release it was mentioned that there's going to be Haunted Mansion stuff in this exhibit, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, one of the decades that we were trying to celebrate was the 70s. And we figured, well, we've already celebrated Disneyland earlier in the 50s in the exhibit. So we looked at our collections and decided that what we would do is one of the iconic attractions from Walt Disney World in the 70s that opened with the park was Haunted Mansion. And it just so happens that we have a lot of really great assets from that attraction. We were part of a a re re reimagining of parts of the attraction and got some really great iconic pieces so what we are showing is a sequence from the haunted mansion at walt disney world at magic kingdom and it is the attic sequence with the bride we had an imagineering reimagination of that area back in the i think it was the late 2000s they went in and they changed a lot of things in that attic sequence and so we were told that it was happening and we happened to be there uh myself and a couple other partners we were there for meetings that week and they said, if you want to go in and take some of those things for the archives, you can. So we frantically ran around everybody we knew and we borrowed power tools and and things and, and got a truck. And and we didn't even have proper clothes to wear, uh, but we, we managed and we got into the attic while they were, were working and we were able to take all of the set dressings, the set deck, and the bride itself. Um, they removed the bride for us, so we have that. And they took all the things that surrounded her, her her furnishings from the attic, and they gave them to the archives. And so, for the first time, we're going to show the bride with the furnishings around her and recreate the look of the attic sequence from Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It was it was an amazing <laughs> time because literally um, when they talk about blood, sweat, and tears, we didn't bleed none of us. But I tell you, it was it was kind of crazy because, as any of you might know you know, they, they didn't run the air conditioning while this con- construction was going on. And so it was June in Florida and I'm up in this attic with no air conditioning on and, and it's dusty and, and things like that. So, but literally we had to lay on the floor to disassemble some things and pull things out. And so we, we call ourselves the Raiders of the Lost Archives for a reason. We We go in and and find things. And it's not quite as glamorous glamorous as you might think, you know.
0: Oh, I fully thought things are just FedExed (laughs) to you. Oh, no. no, no. (laughs) So if you didn't happen to be in Florida for a meeting, does that mean we would never be able to see this at D23 Expo?
2: Probably not. Yeah, yeah. And we just had business clothes. So I I had taken one pair of jeans along with me just in case we had some time off. And we had to borrow shirts from, uh, we got our fills, our clothes were so filthy by the time we got done because they purposely keep that attic dusty you know and by the time we got finished uh, we were hot and sweaty and filthy and we had to actually go over to the monorail roundhouse and and clean up in the, in this tiny little bathroom and then go to a uh, business lunch afterwards at at the uh, french french pavilion no. so we had to borrow clean t-shirts from the monorail crew
0: so like when you go to this event you're like people are like oh how's your day and you're like no big just had to like carve a scene out of an attraction now I'm here at lunch.
2: Yeah sorry my jeans are my jeans are dusty. <laughs> you
0: know, is this is this normal? Does this happen from time to time?
2: It, it happens far more often than you might think. There there are um there are times when we started bringing in our collections Um, We spent some time at Disney's Hollywood Studios and some of the things were still uh, on the back lot there and they had to be removed and so we physically went over there and and worked with a crew to, to bring the things out most of the time it's a crew that we hire that actually does the physical labor. But in that instance, it was like, take it or or you won't get it, you know. But in a
0: pinch, just call Becky. She'll find some power tools. My VP
2: and I got in there with power tools and we took the things, you know, we took the things out. And and then we had to get a truck. I don't don't even remember how we got that truck. But we got a truck to bring it out for us. And then one of our our pals at WDI who ships things back and forth was kind enough to arrange to ship the pieces back to us to California.
0: Oh, so people are going to freak out. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting because so many of us would get so excited, at even at some of the special events we go to, just just being in a backdrop that honors something that used to happen, but now you're really kind of in it.
2: Yeah, having the actual assets as part of this exhibit makes it something pretty special. I mean, people love to pose with Disney uh, exhibit pieces or uh, you get photo ops sometimes at events and things i know d23 has done some things where you can pose with an object from the archives but this is kind of fun because we're bringing out a lot of really interesting things that that you will be amidst and um it'll be kind of fun
0: i I like that in a way it's kind of like listen we can't let you time travel but this is the next best thing we have for you Exactly, (laughs) (laughs) it's so kind of the archives to do it that way
2: Oh, that's what we're there. we're here for. That that's that's part of our our goal and our mission is to share these cool things with the people who love them the most. And so, anytime we can bring out the artifacts and show them in person, people get very excited, and and we just love doing it.
0: Well, I'd love to talk about your process uh, with this year's <laughs> exhibit tied to celebrating Disney's one hundred year anniversary. Where does your team even begin to decide what to include when the <laughs> options include everything?
2: You know, it's it's really kind of interesting. We we had a dilemma this year because we also have a major traveling exhibition launching in February, which is going to be Disney One Hundred, the exhibition. And so we had to take a look at what a- assets were going to be in that exhibit, and uh, we tried to show something different at the expo. So first, we looked at what things were off limits because they're going to be in the in the big traveling exhibit. And then looked at what else told the stories the best. And so we we split it up by decades so that you can walk into, you know, the 1950s or the 1960s, 1970s, something representative of that era and, and see some fun assets. And so we just looked at our collections then and said, which pieces, you know, would fans be the most excited about seeing and what's relevant to their experience during that decade?
0: Oh, my gosh. When you're selecting items and I'm sure eliminating them, Does it ever feel like, you know, you have to like pick your favorite children? Like, do you feel a little (laughs) guilty when some stuff is cut? Because not everything can fit.
2: I do. I always feel guilty about it. And every time we create an exhibit, in the back of my mind, I've got, Oh well, I think I'll hold those things aside, and I have an idea for an exhibit about that topic. And oh well, we have you know we couldn't do it in this one, but hey, down the road I've got some ideas for an exhibit on that. So we we try to to change things up so that you're not seeing the same assets all the time, because our collection is pretty varied and pretty vast, and and so we we like to show things that we haven't displayed before. But then of course there's some iconic pieces that people just don't mind how many times they see, and we include those as well.
0: And because we're discussing this in this episode, we'll go out right before D23 Expo starts. Are there any items within the exhibit that you can call out that are your personal favorites or that you think fans are going to freak out over?
2: Well, I think in one segment of it, I always people always ask me what my favorite Disney film is. And I always give the same answer that it was Mary Poppins because I was a young child when that came out and it was the very first movie I ever saw. So it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but I'm really excited because we're we're not you know, recreating it in depth, but we're actually giving you the opportunity to to go on a jolly holiday. Let's just put it that way. So there'll Ooh. be some, some things there that are, are really fun to see and pieces that I particularly love.
0: And if you're excited about it, we should probably be excited about
2: it. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, you've also got Walt Disney's plane coming to D23 Expo.
2: Yes, it's now the largest Walt Disney Archives artifact. Everybody asks me, what's the biggest thing you have? And uh, previous, I, I used to say it was the black pearl. <laughs> because We have that. Uh, but now I've got Walt Disney's plane as part of the art- archives assets. And we're pretty excited about being able to bring it out here. Um, our partners at Amazon sp- sponsored this. And, and everybody at D23 and WDI has been working together with us to bring the plane out from Florida and um, this beautifully restored piece that, that WDI did an amazing job restoring it back to the original look that it had when Walt Disney used to fly in it. And it's gonna be coming to the uh, arena of the expo and you'll be able to see it in person, um, all, all spruced up, but we're also doing a really fun special exhibit uh, showing things that we've never seen before alongside of it uh, that you'll be able to see uh, photography of the exhibit and also flight logs and and assets and things from inside the plane. And um, it's really great. The plane itself, of course, you can't go inside. So some of these things that originally flew with Walt in the plane will be on display in our archives exhibit. So I think the two together are going to be pretty exciting, especially for for aircraft fans, as well as all Disney fans and, of course, Walt fans.
0: In reading about the plane, I read that... Oh, you have to correct me this is wrong, because it still makes no sense to me. That Walt's favorite onboard seat enabled him to monitor flight conditions? Like he had... What, what, what was it his seat? What is
2: that? Well, you know, when, when you buy a, a jet, um, they get delivered with like nothing special. You get to pick, it's almost like buying a car without the inside in it. You get to pick what color seats you want and what kind I'm nodding
0: of, like, oh, when I yeah. bought my jets, I've gone through yeah, this process, yes.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's very true. They get to customize the interior of the plane. And so Walt customized the interior of that jet when it was purchased. And um, so what he had done is he had his own favorite seat on the plane. And he had put in next to the seat, he had put in a telephone so that he could call the cockpit time he wanted to talk to the uh, flight crew. And then he also had a little altimeter put in, which showed airspeed and things on it. It's got three little dials, and then one of them has Mickey Mouse on it. And that's set right next to his seat so that you can always see... What was going on with the plane how high it was and and the airspeed and everything and we have that it was removed from the plane and given to the archives back in the 70s and so it'll be on display at the expo so you'll be able to see those pieces so there's a whole vignette that describes and and um it'll be really fun you'll get to see walt's seat you'll get to see the altimeter and the telephone and his seat belts and all those kind of things oh
0: my god you get to see the seat belts
2: yeah he actually had monogram seat belts
0: Oh, things were so cool back then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you happen to know, was he just curious or scared of flying?
2: Oh, he loved to fly. Walt was very interested in all forms of transportation. You know, in the earliest days, of course, it was trains because that's how you got across the country. And once you could fly across the country and then eventually around the world, he loved to fly because, A, it got him there faster, but he was always fascinated by planes, but he also loved ships and ocean liners and things, and he traveled by every manner of transportation that you can think of, but but he loved to fly by plane, and he did it quite quite a lot. And, of course, it was really great to have the jet when they were, you know, going around and looking at land for Walt Disney World and taking the folks from the studio and WDI back and forth uh, to, well, to New York for the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. They flew a lot of people. And then the plane was continued to be used by the company for various things after Walt's passing. And, you know, groups that would go around and, and groups of animators would fly to do presentations at universities and, and art schools and colleges and recruiting things and so the the plane has been used you know for many many years until it was finally retired at Walt Disney World in the early 90s.
0: Wow. How special is it for you to be able to bring this plane across the country to a centralized location packed with Disney fans? Like, this is the oh, core audience for this. Yes.
2: This is, this is so exciting for me because it's something that, you know, people have asked me about over the years many, many times. You know, they knew that Walt, Walt's plane was on display in the back lot at the, at the Disney uh, back lot studio tour and at Hollywood studios. And then when it was pulled out of there, when they had to reimagine that area, um, people are like, what's going to happen to it? What's going to happen to it? And so I've been working for years with WDI to um, find find something to do with that plane. And when the opportunity came up to bring it out and show it at the D23 Expo, I got very excited. And so I'm just thrilled that, that it's getting honored in this way. And I think Walt would be very happy about that too.
0: Oh, I can't wait to see it all spruced up.
2: I know. It's great. And it's going to look huge in that arena. It's just, it's, So exciting to have a full-on plane inside a building. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at HannahAnderson.com.
3: Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music?
0: And if you weren't busy enough, like restoring planes and setting up interactive exhibits, you also have, as you mentioned, Disney 100, the exhibition. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, we're really excited because the exhibit's going to open at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia in February. And um, we're actually going to have a presentation all about the making of that exhibition at the D23 Expo. So that presentation will be on Saturday, September 10th, and then we're going to live stream the presentation about the exhibition with all of our announcements about further venues and dates and scheduling and all that. So that's going to be a, a really fun, big exhibit that we're doing on the back lot stage on, on Saturday.
0: Cool. And because it, you know, it revolves around the entire history of the company, like this is not a, you know, this is a lot of stuff (laughs) that's going into this. Um, What what can fans expect from this just running the gamut of the whole company? What type of things are special enough to be in this exhibit?
2: Oh, my goodness. It's that was the hardest part about this exhibit is to figure out, um, you know, because you can't just tell 100 years in one. Fifteen thousand square feet. Even that's a big exhibit. It's not huge, not big enough to show everything. So what we tried to do, and we went back to theming on this, and and the the basic theme of it is that we went back to the very beginning to Walt Disney himself and looked at what philosophies Walt created during his own time, during his own creative output, and how we still carry on those philosophies today. So the importance of storytelling and global outreach outreach and and things like um, personality animation and characters having their own distinct personalities. That was an innovation of his, innovations, things like that, different things that we invented and that Disney created, and how today we still follow all those philosophies that Walt Disney himself developed in his own work, and we still do it all today the same way. And so that told us how we could tell a story that wasn't particularly linear because we wanted to make sure that we we focused on the importance of music or the, or a day in the parks or the wonder of Disney, how it makes you feel today and, and your the experience of the guest. So there's, there's uh, nine different galleries and some very special surprises and a lot of interactive elements, which, which I think you really get excited. And we tried to put at least touches or glimpses of, of as many different properties and films and attractions and characters and events that we could into, into the exhibit to just, you won't be able to see everything, of course but um, we're, we're tar- trying our very best to, to have everybody and in- see something that means something special to them.
0: What is it like for you to send items from the archives out on the road? Like, does it feel like sending a kid to summer camp?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're very careful about that. We, we are very, um, whenever we we uh, send exhibits out, we always send people with the items, you know, so there's always a, what we call a courier. It's one of the staff members who goes and handles it and make sure that it's kept carefully handled and put into the exhibition or on loan for the event. And so we're very very careful about those things and we take really good care of them because we want to make sure that they last forever as long as possible if not forever. Um so we're we're very very cautious about that which is why we don't we don't loan it all the time. We we always send things out and we only send them out for a particular length of time. We're very careful about the environmental controls around them, what kind of lighting levels they have and what uh, humidity and temperature they're displayed in. So we're very careful and cautious about that.
0: Why do you personally think it's so important that these items continue to see the light of day and aren't just tucked away for safekeeping forever?
2: Well, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought on that. There's the idea that things need to be preserved forever but might my thought is, it's like, what's the point of having these things locked away in a cold, dark storeroom if they're not going to be shared and, and enjoyed and used and and presented to the, to the public? So one of the reasons that we started D23 so, you know, so many years back now is that we wanted to go into the archives and find the things that people really loved and wanted to see and bring them out and share them and so that's why we started doing D23 doing events and presentations and expos and and exhibits and things is a way for us to to take all these great treasures and share them with people who love them the most and although we're still we still do traditional archival work where we have documents and things that are very sensitive to light and and need to be specially preserved and In those cases, we do a lot of digitization and conservation so that we have the materials that we can share and we can share the information, but we can also preserve the artifacts to keep them safe from time.
0: (laughs) And I'm sure in this line of work, you are inundated with uh, just endless doses of fun nostalgia. But personally, what is the last Walt Disney Archives item that you saw face to face that you were just delighted by?
2: Oh my goodness. Every time a, a, food, a mo- every time a movie wraps, we get new things in. Um, you know, we are constantly being approached by uh, the parks, for example. Whenever an attraction is reimagined or updated, you know, something needs to come out and it's something that everybody, you know, loves. You know, they they make sure that it comes to the archives. I'm trying to think of what was the most recent acquisition that that really meant something to me. There's so many different things. It's hard to to think about it, but um, just going through the exhibition and, and seeing, we, we pulled all the exhibit pieces together because we have to condition check them in our facility where we brought out everything and put it on tables. And just walking around that room and looking at these treasures all in one place got me very excited. And I thought being able to see this inside the exhibit is going to be so fabulous. So just seeing all these things in one place together just gives me a charge every time.
0: Oh my gosh. It makes me just dream of what mail day at <laughs> the archives is
2: like. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's multiple <laughs> deliveries every day. And we have a whole team who their, their sole job is just to, you know, arrange getting things into the archives and getting them processed. And, and so, uh, every time a film gets uh, wrapped, they contact us and say, what do you want from the film? And, and we have to. Get it and then check it in and take good care of it and then uh, let everybody know that we have it so that we can use it going forward and, and showcase it.
0: So cool. Uh, now, I asked our friend Jeffrey Epstein this question when he was on my podcast and he, like the communications whiz he is, <laughs> very carefully dodged it. So I'll rephrase it for you in a way that won't get either of us in trouble. Uh, okay. If you can take home one item from the archives, any item of your choosing, it is a gift from Mickey Mouse himself, you're allowed to take it home. What would you choose?
2: Uh, it would be so hard for me to pick something that I would deprive other people from seeing, so it's hard to say that I, I would take that home but my my one piece in the archives like I mentioned that Mary Poppins is my favorite uh, because of its history with, with me and my family um, I would say the, the Feed the Birds snow globe from Mary Poppins is probably a piece that um, I would miss once I retired from the archives let's put it that way
0: <laughs> it's a great way to put it <laughs> And uh I'm I'm sure there are plenty but since Disney's 100th anniversary is right around the corner and your work deals so much with the company's retrospectives um throughout your own career at the Walt Disney Archives what comes to mind as one of the top highlights
2: Oh my goodness um you know being on the the group of of people who took that giant step and and created D23 is, is one of them. That, that was a huge thing. And it was a very small group of us who did that. Um, But we, I'm really proud of that, that we were able to accomplish that because I think it's, it's meant a lot and has done so many great things for people. Um, Also, I was given the honor of being able to restore Walt Disney's office. And so that is, that is something that I've done in my career that I'm very proud of. And, and I still, get the chills myself every time I go up in that office. I think a new one is bringing the plane out and, uh, and taking care of its, its history as well as its future.
0: Oh, as well as its future. I love that. (laughs) Um, So once you are done with all of the many, many, many things that you are currently working on, what is the next thing you have to look forward to?
2: Our work with D23 is, is always challenging and exciting. And, and then we'd work with other divisions around the company, like Disney+. Plus. They always have great new series coming out. One uh, that we worked with recently, they have a new season coming out, is Behind the Attraction, which um, I personally was able to do a lot of work on that as one of the presenters. And, of course, there's a great new standalone, a single piece called Mickey, The Story of a Mouse, which is really fun. And I, I got to work on that one, and we did a lot of work helping the, the producers of that film to get all their historical material together. And so that's coming out soon. Of course, I worked on shows like Prop Culture and um, A Dog's Life. And of course, we did our own uh, a little documentary called An Adventure Through the Walt Disney Archives. Adventures Through the Walt Disney Archives. And uh, if you haven't seen that one, that'll give you a really good grounding in what we do at the archives.
0: Oh, we'll give people the best type of homework right before D23 Expo.
2: <laughs> exactly. And I have to give a shout out too, because not only are we doing the exhibits and the things that I mentioned, but we also, we oversee the Disney Legends program from the archives. So that's a huge thing for us. And we have some really great legends this year that that people um, now have been told who the honorees are going to be. And uh, they'll come to see that. That's a big moment for us. And also we have the Walt Disney Archive stage, which is three days of programming all day long on that stage with all kinds of great, Great productions and partners around the company bringing in historically, you know, themed uh, presentations. And so, if you're a if you're a Disney history fan, that's that's the place to go. So, please check your uh, your D twenty three Expo app and see what the scheduling is on the Walt Disney Archive stage because there's all kinds of really fun things, including one's uh, a presentation about the history of the plane
0: incredible I I feel like on one hand you have the best job in the world and on the other
2: (laughs) hand I'm like someone let Becky take a nap (laughs) I do have the best job in the world and it it is exhausting sometimes but it's a good good kind of tired you
0: just listed like every space at D23 Expo
2: (laughs) just about Oh, my God.
0: Well, uh,
2: I have one last question.
0: I'm not sure if you're allowed to discuss this, but when laymen like me picture the archives, I think of kind of like that Disneyland commercial, like a magical warehouse filled with ride vehicles and costumes and like a secret museum. And I know the actual archives are shrouded in secrecy, and I don't want to cross any lines, but are you able to divulge it all about if things are presented nicely, what it's like to be in there, what it feels like to be around these objects. I am imagining everything from like a space museum to like a seventies warehouse locked in time. And I just don't know what to picture in my brain.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. The Walt Disney archives is, um, it's a little bit museum. Our main offices where the, uh, where people can come in through D23, you can do tours of the studio and they bring you into the offices and, and you get to see where we work. There's exhibits in there that we put out specifically for visitors. Uh, but the most, for the most part, I mentioned that we carefully tuck away things in the dark and that's very true. I mean, the warehouses of the Walt Disney archives, I have to admit, look less like you know, a fantastical museum and more like the final scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's it's big warehouses with uh, lots of shelving and lots of big wooden crates stenciled with mysterious uh, things and uh, barcodes. But no, all those pieces do have to be carefully protected. So most of the time they're hidden away from the light. And in that case, you know, it's it's not quite as fantastical as you might imagine, but once you get those cases open, it's pretty cool. It's
0: like the world's best game of hide and seek. Just (laughs) see what you can find. Oh amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and telling everyone about every incredible thing the Walt Disney Archives has at D23 Expo. Um I I, sounds amazing. I, I can't wait to see everything in just a few hours basically.
2: I'm I'm pretty excited that you're all coming out to visit us. And I can't wait and you know all I can say is go into your D23 Expo application, your app and check out all of the great things to do. There's so much to see and do that you won't be bored at all. And you'll find plenty of things to, to take up your time.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much.
3: Hi, Carly. This is Meg
0: from Florida. Love the podcast. Love your episode uh, about the Disneyland guide. And I have a question about the Matterhorn ride. I was kind of surprised that you didn't include or mention Matterhorn as a must ride. Uh, no judgment, just genuinely curious your thoughts on the ride. Um, I kind of expected you to mention it just because it is, you know, iconic, original to just Disneyland and all of that. So just curious your thoughts on the ride. Seriously, just love the show. Love the happiness and joy that you bring to social media and the podcast world. And yeah, thanks so much. Bye. Oh, Meg, you caught me. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for listening to the Disneyland episode. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. But yeah, you might be the only person who uh, caught and then called about, called me out on the fact that I did not explicitly recommend the Matterhorn, uh, Matterhorn Bob's Lens, as its full title is at Disneyland Park. So here's the deal. Matterhorn, I love it. I respect it. I love walking past it. It brings me so much joy. It is beautiful. It adds something really special to the park, especially when you're in the hub. And as you know, I love a Matterhorn macaroon. Love holding it up to the mountain, being like, I'm eating a cookie a ship like that thing. How cool. It's wonderful. But once I step on board that vehicle, my love for Matterhorn bobsleds straight up plummets. It plummets. I have gone on it a handful of times in the past year. And every time I go on it, I'm like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I'm not elderly. So I feel like that really says something about the ride system. That ride does something to my body that makes me feel terrible. And then uh, some On top of like the the jerkiness and kind of like the the rough ride, it is a rough ride. It is old. It should maybe be out of commission. That's all I'm going to say. On top of the rough ride, sometimes you just go through water and you get completely splashed from like still murky water. It's not my favorite ride experience, but I love seeing people on it and I love that it's there and it's great, but I'm not dying to go on it ever. So I hope that uh I hope that clears up why I didn't explicitly recommend it. Again, I love Matterhorn. I respect Matterhorn. I think it is a wonderful, historic, incredible ride. I'm so glad it's there. But I don't always physically want to put my body through the torture that is Matterhorn bobsleds. I'm sorry, it hurts me. If it doesn't hurt you, go have a good time, have so much fun. But for me, physically, I don't, I don't think I can do it anymore. And I really don't feel that way on much else. Maybe a little Indiana Jones. I feel like, oh God, like I gotta like s- strap my body down. But for Matterhorn, it just hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And these places are fun, and I like to uh, enjoy them and not uh, worry about. How much calcium is in my bones? So I hope that helps clarify it. Thank you so much for listening. Matterhorn macaroons forever. Love Matterhorn bobsleds. Just um, love them from afar. Okay, uh, please don't cancel me for this. Okay, bye.
2: Hi, Carly. This is Emma from Ohio. I am a longtime listener. However, I just got out of grad school, my recent grad, so I am having to catch up on some. Um, I just listened to the Andrew
3: Barth Feldman show, and I was so delighted. To hear about you two talk about your mutual love of Muppets. I also love the Muppets. It's hard to sometimes find people who like it as much as me. Um I actually just wrote my master's thesis on the Muppets. So I was wondering if you could spend
2: a day at a Disney park with a Muppet, who would it be and why? I think I would go with Gonzo because he would get into
3: all kinds of crazy shenanigans. Thanks, love the podcast.
0: Oh, my goodness, Emma. This is such a good question. So much so that I can't believe we've never gotten it before. But here we are. But but even before we get into that, I'm sorry, you did your master's thesis on the Muppets? What? What? please, please, I'm begging you, please text me or call me back at 747churros so I can know more about this because I think I speak on behalf of all very amusing listeners when I say we desperately need more information about this. Desperately. Now, to get to the question at hand, while I fully respect you choosing Gonzo because you're right, he would get into so many fun shenanigans, I feel like practically the Muppet I would most want to go to a Disney theme park with is going to be Miss Piggy and I don't want to seem like a social climber, and I I don't want to seem selfish. But the thing is, Miss Piggy is like a bona fide diva. She is a celebrity in her own right, which means that you are going to get red carpet treatment. And I know that I'm basically using Miss Piggy and like being one of her closest friends so that I myself can get a full week of VIP tours alongside her, but it's fine because I think that going to Disney World with Miss Piggy and getting all those extra perks would be incredible. Just to see Miss Piggy in her element, like wearing sunglasses, like gliding through the parks, like, mm, hi, with like plaid tour guides flanking her on either side. <laughs> like, that's what I want to see of Miss Piggy out in the world. And to get an up close view of that, I, I could never, I could never say no. You know that we'd go to like Victoria and Albert's also, which would be like such a nice night out with Miss Piggy. Like they gave us all a pork dish. Like, oh no, it would be very awkward. So I think I I gotta choose Miss Piggy, even though I probably would get along the best with Fozzie Bear. I just think uh, there'd be a lot of funny jokes made throughout the day. But Fozzie can come too. VIP tours, uh, you know, they have, they can be nine extra people besides Miss Piggy. So yeah, I'm taking Miss Piggy for the perks. I'm sorry, I'm... That's what I'm going for. It would be so much fun, though. Like, can you imagine her, um, like, her just, like, throwing a fit that she can't spend the night in Cinderella Castle? (laughs) Oh, it would be pure Miss Piggy. Prime Miss Piggy. Oh, my gosh. I love this question. Now I want to go to the parks with Miss Piggy. Oh, thank you so much for asking this. Congratulations on grad school. What an accomplishment. And I'm not kidding. Please let us know what this thesis was about. I gotta know.
3: Hi, Carly. This is Brittany from Orlando. So you mentioned Halloween Horror Nights. I wasn't sure if you are an HHN person, if that's something you're into, or if you had seen the menu for any of the booths this year at HHN. I love that it's kind of becoming a tiny food festival at the same time. And this year they had some absolutely bonkers offerings, like a pepperoni pizza skull and Korean-style corn dogs that are covered in powdered sugar and cinnamon and all kinds of crazy stuff. Wasn't sure if you had seen any of these menus. I don't think anything was colored blue, so that should be fine for you. But, yeah, have you seen any of these crazy menu offerings, and are you excited to try them if you're coming to HHN?
0: Thank you, Brittany, for this call, because due to scheduling and D23 Expo really being the biggest thing in my life at the moment, we would have never been able to discuss the absolutely bonkers food that is happening at Halloween Horror Nights 31 at Universal Studios Florida and Universal Orlando Resort, how we dedicated a full episode to this park and yet because it was evergreen, it stands alone uh, like on its own as a planning guide. It didn't include the wackadoo food happening at this Halloween event. I, I, I am remiss. So I'm so glad that you called and we are able to talk about this because what is going on with the food over there? It truly is. You're right. It's like its own food festival, though I would almost say The food happening at Halloween Horror Nights right now in Orlando is more like its own state fair because they're kind of mimicking that more than anything. They're just pushing food to the limit and doing some really cool stuff, I gotta say. Um, I've seen the full lineup of stuff. I've seen some early coverage. And I'm still, like, blown away by some of the things. I will add, I swear we did an interview with someone who works on the culinary team at Universal Orlando. And we discussed, it was like pizza fries and something else. It might have been the Twisted Taters, but I I don't remember. I know we discussed it in an episode. We've done so many episodes at this point. I can't even find it. I can't even find it. So um, if anyone's better at remembering these episodes than I am, there is an interview about that somewhere. Uh, But there are a few items we need to discuss, most of which you hit because I'm not going to discuss toothsome milkshakes that's not in the park that doesn't count even though everyone keeps posting a photo of it does not count there is a, there so the korean style hot dog that i most want to talk about here is the maggot covered cheese dog yes you heard that correctly maggot maggot and apparently i have not had one yet i've not had a korean style hot dog i've seen them they look delicious it's never happened for me one day it will one day it will but the difference here is that This is a hot dog dipped in a rice flour batter and deep fried. And in the case of this maggot-covered delicacy, it is also covered in mozzarella and puffed rice so that it looks like bugs to align with the bugs-eaten-alive kind of bug-themed haunted house they have, which is terrifying but delicious. Truly 10 out of 10 for theming for taste, because that sounds like a great snack, but it also has an absolutely disgusting name. They have some other food where they call, like, cauliflower zombie brains, and I think, like, funnel... like. Cake sticks, rat tails, which mm, not so much. But this one, maggot covered cheese dog, I feel like that's a home run. There are also a ton of twisted taters, which is a huge Halloween horror night's food. It's basically a big old stick with like a spiral cut french fry. Um, Some are covered in queso, some are dusted with like, I think it was flaming hot Cheetos. Um, There's different versions of it this year. And that's why I keep drawing this kind of state fair comparison, because where else are you going to walk around with a potato on a stick at? A state fair. This is kind of, I guess, in a way, it's like a, a state fair that maybe uh, maybe zombies attacked, and now it has its own story, in a way. Wouldn't that be fun if they like themed all the food to be like a state fair that got overtaken? Anyway, that's not my job. Uh, I am not smart enough to work at Universal Creative, so instead, I will just highlight that these people, the smart people behind these events, really know how to reinvent pizza, because we've had pizza For a while, and we mostly have like pizza and calzones. It's basically like pizza or like a folded up pizza. And at this point, we have pizza fries, which are a classic fries covered in sausage, pepperoni, sauce, and cheese. Also, I read on Inside Universal that there is a vegan version this year. Incredible. But their new version of pizza this year is called a pizza skull. And when I say that to you, you're probably thinking like I would be thinking like a Hot Pocket shaped like. Like like shaped like a skull. Like it's got everything inside. It's got those little teeny tiny bites of like sausage, and it's just you know all gonna crispy crispy skull shell. But no, the skull is stuffed with pepperoni and cheese. But there's no sauce because it is sitting in a pool of sauce like blood. Come on, come on. How good is that? A pool of sauce like blood. Truly, Brittany, thank you because I would have completely forgotten to discuss this because I'm in denial that I was not at opening night of H H N. Granted, it. Again, it was our family summer vacation, (laughs) theme parks are goofy, and it was literally my husband's birthday. But still, I am sad that I didn't get to eat a pizza skull. I'm going to have to rectify that at some point. I will be going to Orlando during the holiday season. I don't know if I'm going to be able to squeeze Halloween Horror Nights in because I kind of have a tight itinerary. But we'll see what we can do because I got to get that pizza skull. If anyone is going, please let me know what you thought of the food. Please let me know if you get the pizza skull. I want to know more about it. Oh, and thank you for your call. And have so much fun at Halloween Horror Nights. Whoever goes, uh, be safe. Try not to try not to scream too much. I always lose my voice when I go. I am always petrified and I'm always hiding behind someone else because I'm a fraidy cat. But I hope you are more brave than I and have the best time. <laughs> That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening. And a very special thank you to Becky Klein of the Walt Disney Archives for coming on our show. It is so exciting to have had Becky on. I'm honored, and it's such a wonderful way to kick off the week of D23 Expo 2022. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts, and rate and follow Very Amusing on Spotify. I saw in some newsletter I'm subscribed to that they might bring commenting, which I guess means reviews to Spotify. So I will keep you posted uh, if I will formally request any love notes there. But regardless, (laughs) um, please rate us. Please review us if you have not already. I'm pretty sure I'm just preaching to the choir here. But just in case, it does help so much with getting this podcast out to a new audience who may not be familiar with what goes on here. So I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you in advance. You can give us a call, rain or shine, day or night, 24 hours a day, uh, 365 days a year. Yes, I did for one second. (laughs) forget how many days in the year there are. Uh, Give us a call anytime at 747churros. You can also text us a voice note to 747churros or email us a little voice memo to 747churros at gmail.com. Now, I will provide a caveat that we are uh, we got a lot of calls to get through. I still have a ton that I want to answer. I just started building a new spread sheets so I can break down all of the calls we have that are outstanding and try to get to them. I have been going through them and I'm doing my best to get to timely ones and I have been texting people directly. So if you get a text message from the Churros hotline, it is not a robot. It is me desperately trying to answer your timely question. So please know I am uh, doing my best and we will be hopefully getting through a big old chunk of those soon. I think we might have to do a standalone Churros episode because we have so many that I want to play for you. Um, So if you have not had yours Answered yet? Uh, please know that I. I promise I'm trying to get to it. We just we got we got busy phone lines. Yeah, we do welcome your calls because all of the calls are so different, and it is so helpful to hear all sorts of questions about everything from like w- uh, easier ways to visit
3: Disneyland
0: to uh, one mystery I'm trying to work on about uh, a string of dates where there are literally no hotel rooms available, and it does not make sense. So I'm looking into that. But just to let you know, uh, if you have called, I'm trying my best, and if you. Have not called? Give us a call. Join the party; it's a good time. And I, because I'm actively working on it now, now is a great time to call because it will definitely sit in this new organized spreadsheet I made, and it will get answered. If you want to get your 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 mitts on merchandise, head to very-amusing.com where. Oh, man, I'm going to you know what? I'm recording this over the weekend. I'm going to do it. We are adding infant and kids clothing to the website. I don't know if toddler is a separate category, but I ordered all the sizes for all the kids. So um, stay posted to my social media for announcements. But it should be up on the website by now. And if it's not, yell at me. I give you full rights to yell at me. That does not apply to my mom. I don't want her to yell at me because I will yell back. But the rest of you, I can't yell back at. So just yell at me. You can follow me at Carly Weisel on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Remember, I will be blowing up those feeds uh, a little less on TikTok because it takes so much effort and I'm old but uh, I will be all over those feeds throughout the duration of D23 Expo so definitely 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 follow me or even if you really want to know up to the second news uh, make sure you set alerts for me so that you know what is happening at D23 Expo or you can join the Fomaly at facebook.com slash groups slash This episode was edited luxuriously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening see you real
3: soon hey sweetheart it's mom great information again and i'm starting to get it a little more this whole disney plus all that stuff i'm getting it um about the fireworks because that's where you started when i was listening to it I agree with you that the California Grill restaurant had the best viewing outside the restaurant on the balcony. It's so spacious there. It's not crowded and you see everything. The Magic Kingdom is like lit. It's great. Um the one, part, this is like, this is the one thing I wanted to say to you. You said that at Epcot, there's a Hanson concert and I know it's video or whatever, but being, you being Hanson's number one fan, who was in love with Zach and I schlepped you to concerts and I bought you Hanson clothes and I got you to run by the stage to get a picture with Zach. You know what? We never saw that. You never took me there. I would have loved that. So we'll have to do that next time. And the FOMO of racing through the park, trying to do as much as you can. I am so the same as you, like, exactly. I go until it's dark and it's night and I get to the hotel room and I just drop. And then we do it all again the next day starting at 7 a.m. So I agree with you. Two and a half full days, full four days is enough for us for a great mini vacation. Um, when you talked about Disney Springs, again, we have the same taste. I love Wine Bar George. I love the Disney Store. That's probably the best Disney Store anywhere, even in Magic Kingdom, is the one in Disney Springs. I love it. And, of course, waiting in line a half hour for Gideon Cookies. Uh, getting the Genie Plus a little bit better. I know we have to get up at seven. I know I didn't know that there was other things like virtual queue, like that's fun. I'm just learning the basics, lightning lane, Genie Plus. I'm just getting it. But, um, the one time, which I think was pretty recent, we got up at seven, you made our plans and you said, what ride do you want to see at Epcot first? And I said, I have to go on Star and that's like my favorite of all time ride. We got there one minute late. One minute late, we were denied access to go on the ride, and we could have booked. We booked later, a couple hours later, but that is extremely disappointing when you get up at seven a.m. So for everybody that goes through all the virtual queues, the lightning lanes, be on time, be a few minutes early, don't miss your spot. That's like really important. The part about the luggage not magically appearing at your hotel, I remember. We went to Disney World, and you were doing an article. It was six hotels in seven days. And the best thing about this trip was that the Disney magic of our luggage appeared every day at the end of our day. When we come back to the hotel, our luggage was in our room. So that's pretty sad that they don't do that. Hey, sweetie, it's me again. Okay, why do I always get disconnected? Okay, I know if you talk for an hour and a half, I'd have to just tell you how I feel about what you said. And then, boom, I get disconnected. But I was, I know right where I was. I was about to talk about the Grove Resort Orlando Hotel that was spacious and clean. It was so contemporary. And it was like, you're right, the parking, it was like having your car in your garage. It was great. The Disney Animal Kingdom Lodge will always remain a special place. We had such a great time at this great hotel. But that's our story, and I'm not going to share that one. So, yes, my favorite all-time hotel in the world is the Grand Floridian Hotel. That's where we always went as a family when you were two years old. It is such a great hotel. And we stayed a few times on the concierge floor. They give you great hot snacks before you go to the parks, I think about 3 or 4 o'clock, water bottles, if I recall, and surprisingly, there were plush robes. So, um, okay, Disney thing or not, I have to address something because it is Disney content. You brought it up. But I think that going on assignment to Disney and someone checking on you by possibly entering your hotel room makes me scared to death. Like, I should be with you on every single trip. Great idea. to double lock your doors. Also, put a chair upside down at the door so you'll hear it drop. Third, call up the front desk and see if you can not have this and tell them that you will check in daily. Maybe that would work, and they'll take you off the list of them to go in your room. But I couldn't pass up the chance to stay safe. So the best is you can cut that out possibly. I love you. Great episode, and stay safe, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.